You are listening to the weekly podcast of Mount Vernon Baptist Church, Westwood, in Memphis, Tennessee. We pray you enjoy today's message. All right. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Thank you, Jesus. What a mighty God we serve. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 18. Therefore, as one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in death, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace much more abounded, so that as sin reigned in death, even so, help me say grace, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let the church say amen. Amen. Say it is with me. Grace abounds. Amen. That's what I want to share with us on today. Grace abounds. Throughout the entire month of September, uh, we will be dealing with grace. Uh, This month, the preaching series is Amazing Grace. What's so amazing about grace? Amen. So make sure you're tuning in every Sunday in person and online. And I want to say this to those who are online. Many of those who are here, I just said, supposed to be in the choir stand. Many of you who have been watching online, it's time to come back home. Amen. Amen. I want you to think about that. It's time to come back into the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Grace abounds. Before we even can get into talking about the abounding power of grace, in some way we have to do what the text just did. The apostolic writer, before he began to deal with the abounding power of grace, he made mention to the hurtful power of sin, helping us to know that even though sin hurts, grace abounds. And while it has become politically incorrect, it seems, to talk about sin, the scripture makes it clear that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that in the book of Romans chapter 3 and verse 22. I want you to keep your hand on your Bible because there are a few scriptures we will look at on this morning. John declared in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 that if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Sin is to miss the mark. It's to willfully disobey a known command of God. Sin is not only outward action, but it is also an attitude of the heart. Because the attitude becomes the action. The Bible uses several words and phrases to describe sin, iniquity, transgression, trespass, fault, lawlessness, disobedience, wickedness, works of the flesh and sin. 
course, when you're dealing with sin, all of us who have been around, you know that there are at least two categories of sin. One, the sin of omission. Uh, that means that you're not doing something that you should do. And then you have the sin of commission. That's doing the things that, you, that we should not do. And then we want to deal with this idea of original sin. Help me say original sin. Or born in sin. The Bible teaches that each person has an inborn tendency to sin. Yes, all of us are created in the image of God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have God's goodness in us. But the good image and the goodness of God that's in us is tainted in some way by ingrained sin. According to scripture, all of us, all humans, are born in the image of God, but we are simultaneously in a condition of sin. This condition of sin stems from Adam's rebellion in the Garden of Eden. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. The road in this message is going to get a little rough, y'all, but we're going to make it through it, okay? Say amen, somebody. Genesis chapter 2. And let's look at verse 17, starting at verse 17. I want you to see something here. Genesis 2 and verse 17 declares, verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord commanded him, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of this tree, knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. That's verse 17 of Genesis chapter 2. And then go over to Genesis chapter 3. Turn the page there, and let's look at Genesis chapter 3. Because what we see here in Genesis chapter 3 is the tempter came and said, Now, I know what God has told you. That's because God has some ulterior motives. And that's because God is intimidated by you. Because he knows that when you do it, you're going to be just like him. And you'll be able to be God. You won't need him because you'll be God for yourself. In essence, that's what the tempter said. But they were already like God in the sense that they were created in the image of God. The tempter came and said, now you want to be more than that. And God is trying to hold it back from you. And if you look at chapter 3, it says the tempter, the serpent, was cunning. He came and he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you should not eat of every tree of the garden. The woman said, now we can eat of the tree of the fruit, uh, but the tree which is in the middle of the garden. In church, I had a problem with that for a long time. Because if there was something that I didn't want my children to touch, I would put it out of reach. Do I have a witness here? I mean, if I didn't want them to touch it, I would put it way off somewhere where they could not touch it. I would put it out of reach, I would put it high, I would put it under the bed, I would hide it, or I would tell them don't touch it, but I wouldn't put it right in the middle of the room. Uh, if, 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 if you can follow along 
with this analogy is almost uh, you have something that you don't want your child to touch yet you put it right in the middle of the bedroom and it looks shiny and nice and you say now don't touch it and they have to walk by it all day every day and in some way we hit we see the same picture here in the scripture where Adam and Eve were told now you can touch all these trees but the one that's right in the middle don't touch that one you have to walk by it all day every day but don't touch it and I would question this text and I say wow what's going on here why in the world is this situation presented to Adam where he has to resist the temptation to touch something that God does not want him to touch and God places it right smack in the middle a place where he has to see and walk by every day and the Spirit of God said unto me that the issue is not Adam resisting the temptation and not touching the tree and making sure he don't sin the issue is I placed it there in the middle to give him an opportunity every day to show that he loves me more because every time he walked by that tree there was Adam saying God I want to touch it but I love you more so in other words when we say no to what God has told us to say no to don't look at it as a grievous thing a burdensome thing try to see that every time you resist it that's your worship unto God oh come on give God praise here today you worship unto God and so here the tempter comes in and says now I know what God said but you go ahead and do it the serpent said to the woman you won't die in other words God is a lying to you because he knows that in the day you eat it your eyes will be open you'll be like him knowing good and evil the woman saw it she ate it gave it to Adam who the scripture says was with her amen brothers don't you think for a moment say well see now see that's what happened now Adam was standing right there the whole time amen and then it is at that point where the Bible says that their eyes were open and then they ran look at verse verse 7 the eyes of both of them were open and then they knew that they were naked and they went and tried to get some Gucci and some Louis Vuitton and to cover up they sold fig leaves together that's 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 the old-school Gucci and Louis Vuitton y'all they made coverings for themselves and then they heard the sound of God coming through the garden as he would normally do walking in the cool of the day and then he says Adam where are you he didn't ask the question because he did not know where Adam was he asked the question because Adam didn't know where he was and Adam says we heard your voice and we were afraid and then God if you continue to read on in the chapter 3 of Genesis God began to expel them from the garden because they disobeyed him and so we see that from this act of Genesis chapter 3 this is where we get the idea of original sin 
because it was at that moment that according to the apostolic writer in Romans that sin entered the world. You know I'm right about it because Psalm 51 and 5 says, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And then over there in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, it says, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. It was through that one act, this one act of disobedience released a power into the world by which sin and death came and all of us have to deal with it even today because of original sin. Every person is born with a natural impulse to sin. And I want to emphasize the experiences of Adam and Eve in the garden revealed to us that sin hurts. Adam and Eve, like each of us, had a free will which means God gave them the choice and unfortunately they perverted that free will and became sinful and because they perverted their free will all of us now have a natural impulse to do the same thing and when we yield to this natural impulse it becomes destructive and hurtful and no one can escape the hurt of sin. Sin hurts because it brings separation Notice in the text, the first thing that happens here, they were separated from God. The tempted promise that they would be like God and they ended up getting cut off from God. He was in essence saying, you make up your own mind, you do your own thing. And when they did it, they ended up being separated from God. Sin hurts because sin separates person from person. Adam and Eve were the first to realize that sin separates person from person. This painful reality became personal for them because they had two sons. What, are, what were their sons' names, church? Cain and Abel. And the very first thing that you see here is Adam and Eve, once they committed this horrible act, you notice that one son killed the other. Cain killed Abel. And since that time, even unto now, humans, all of us, seems like that we have targeted each other. We, we, we see this being carried out on a day-to-day -day basis. People attack and hate each other. We see it on the national stage, one group of people against another group of people. We see it on an international stage where you see nation against nation and wars and destruction. We saw it earlier this month when five police officers beat Tyree Nichols to death and others seemingly conspired to cover it up. We saw it a few days ago when a five-year-old boy was shot here in the city. We saw it just a couple days ago when a police officer was shot in the library. We saw it a few hours ago when a teenager tried to jump off the Mississippi Bridge but an officer had to talk him down. The main problem in our society today is sin. We have declared by our action that we don't need God. Amen, somebody. We want to do it our way, and church, our way is not working. The fighting, the violence, the hatred, the spirit of murder is due to sin because sin separates person from person. In some way, it inserts a wedge of anger and resentment and envy and jealousy. Sin hurts. Sin hurts because it brings emotional misery. Sin brings the misery of shame. The fact that Adam and Eve tried to hide themselves from God's presence is a graphic demonstration of the emotional misery of shame. 
The prophet Ezra expressed his sense of emotional misery and shame when he said in Ezra chapter 9 and verse 6, Oh my God, I'm ashamed to lift up my face to you because our iniquities have come over our head. And I'm not saying that having emotional struggles is sinful because all of us do. All of us grieve. All of us have to deal with emotional misery. I'm saying that the, the source and the root of it is what happened in the garden through sin. Our emotions, in some way, are really not equipped to deal with the pain that sin brought into the world. Sin hurts because it not only brings emotional misery of shame, but it also brings emotional misery of guilt. For the rest of their lives, Adam and Eve lived with a sense of guilt. And since that time to now, all of us have suffered the pains of guilt due to sin. In some way, we all identify with David when he cried out, my guilt has overwhelmed me. Sin hurts because it brings death. The scripture said in Genesis 2 and 17, you must not eat from the tree of the garden of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, the Bible says death passed upon all people. In church, there are at least two kinds of death. Uh, physical death, of course. Physical death is a separation of the soul from the body. Physical death is part of the human experience. We all have to leave here. And the only way we leave is through death or the Lord will return before we die. It brings not only physical death, but it brings spiritual death. Spiritual death is the death um, that happened instantly with Adam and Eve. The physical death would happen later. Spiritual death, which is of greater significance, is the separation of the person, the soul, all of you, from a relationship with God. All of who we are, everything that makes us human, uh, when we are in spiritual death, it is separated from a relationship with God. And this separation from God is exactly what we see in Genesis 3 and 8. When Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. We notice that Ephesians chapter 2 and 1 articulates that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That while we were alive physically, uh, before we knew Christ, we were dead in sin. Alive physically, but spiritually dead. When the fellowship with God is broken, we are spiritually dead. In church, I know that it's rough to hear so much about the hurt of sin. But I have good news for us today. I, have, I say I have good news for us today. God's grace. Help me say God's grace. God's grace is the only antidote uh, to the hurt of sin. What is grace? Grace is God's love going out looking for the unlovely. What is grace? God's grace is something needed but is not deserved. What is grace? It's God's mercy. It's God's kindness. It's God's compassion wrapped together and given to the one that really does not deserve it. What is grace? God's grace is God's healing ointment for the pain of sin. Where sin hurts, I thank God that grace abounds. Give him praise if you thank God for his grace, church. Give God the glory for his grace. Grace abounds because it reconciles. Where sin separates, I thank God 
that grace reconciles. God, uh, by his grace, reconciles us to God. Bible says that God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we will be saved through his life. I thank God today that when we receive Christ as Savior, God removes the barrier and he brings us back to God. That's good news today. God is not mad at us. And that's a reason to tell the Lord, thank you. Can you lift your hands and say, Lord, come on, use your outside voice. Lord, I thank you that you are not mad at me. No matter what I've done, by grace, I'm in good standing. Now give him praise if you believe that this morning. Hallelujah. That's the good news of grace. I don't care what you've done in your life. I don't care where you've gone, what mistakes you've made. Grace brings us back to God and removes the barrier that separated us from God. Grace reconciles us to God and grace reconciles person to person. Amen. When we have been forgiven and we experience the grace of God for ourselves, we should co commit to live in the grace zone. Help me say grace zone. We'll hear more about that this month. What is the grace zone? Grace zone is the place where basically you become an agent of grace because you recognize how good God has been to you. We've heard about the end zone in football. And unfortunately, a couple weeks ago, Dallas Cowboys didn't see a whole lot of that. But we've heard about the end zone in football. And in basketball, the basketball players talk about getting in the zone where they are in their peak performance. And we get alerts and we keep that they keep us out of the danger zone. And in the dating world, you know, they talk about getting placed in the friend zone. But God's people ought to always be in the, the grace zone. Because when you are in the grace zone, it allows you to be a forgiving person where you don't hold grudges and you're not mad for 30 years over $30, where you just learn to let it go. Amen. Can you look at your neighbor and say, let it go? Find somebody and say, learn to let it go. Live in the grace zone. Don't hold people, don't hold stuff over people's head. Let things go. Because in some way, if God has let me go, then I ought to have enough thankfulness in my heart to let you go. Amen. This person had asked me years ago, he said, uh, a pastor uh, said, uh, y'all don't know him, he ain't listening. Amen. Um, talk to church. Said, uh, I need your help. I need to borrow so much money. Do you have it? Say, yeah, I got it. Meet me here, and we'll make the exchange, and I promise I'll get back to you. Gave it to him, and months passed, several more months passed, several more months passed, and we were together at a pastoral installation. And he started saying stuff, and I said, man, what am, I'm joking. Where's the money you owe me? I don't owe you no money. Now, now, I'm, now South Memphis rose up now. First, <laughs> I don't owe you no money. And I couldn't stop. I just couldn't let that go. 
every time. Man, owe me some money. Every time. See each other. God bless you, man. Owe me some money. Then he's going to say he don't owe me no money. I called a meeting with him. I said, I need to talk to you. And we sat down and we talked it out, talked it through. Before he left, he, had to, he didn't have to get, drop that money off, but he did. What's the point? I should have just let it go in the first place. I should have learned to just let it go. But because there are offenses there, of course, we needed to deal with it. But God helped me to understand something. Uh, that I was a wretched sinner undone. I didn't hold that over my head. And since God didn't keep holding that over my head, you remember this, you remember that, you remember this, you remember that. And if you're dealing with that, that's not God doing all that to you. And since God let me go, then I had to come to a place in my life where I'm willing to let other people go. Have you come to that place in your life where you don't, you're not mad over $50 and $30 and what you heard they said and what they did and all of that? You've come to a place and say, God, if you've forgiven me, help me to live in a grace zone and just let stuff go. Amen. Give him praise, church. Give God the glory. So uh, we, we, need, we, need, we need agents of grace. Because we encounter individuals who have been traumatized every day. Our children are traumatized. We live in a broken, a hurt, disappointed, depressed world. But we need agents of grace who understand the power of God and are willing to go out and share the healing love of Jesus Christ. When you're living in the grace zone, you know how to point people to the grace of God because it is the grace of God that will bring healing and deliverance and comfort and power. We need to live in the grace zone and we have to be agents of grace. Grace heals, grace abounds because it reconciles. Grace abounds because it restores. It restores dignity, removes shame. Grace gives you the power to stand and hold your head upright. I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care what they're saying about you. But because of the grace of God, you're able to lift your head up and say, I am who I am by God's grace. And by God's grace, I'm not going to carry around the shame and the guilt of my past. I'm not going to carry that around and apologize for who I am. But I'm going to stand and say, Lord, I thank you for your grace. And if you love me this much, I'm going to love myself. If you died for me, I'm going to love myself. If you gave your hands to the nails for me, I'm going to love me. Because if you love me that much, I ought to be able to walk with a sense of dignity and give you praise every step of the way. Amen. Help me say, I am somebody. I'm a child of God. God's grace is all over me. The Lord paid a price for me. It don't matter what I've done. God loves me. His grace is available for me. His grace woke me up this morning. I know I must be all right because his grace woke me up this morning. I know he gave me another breath in my body. That's grace. I know he put clapping in my hand. That's grace. I know he put running in my feet. That's grace. And I ought to use everything that God has given me and tell the Lord, thank you. Give him glory. Give him honor because of his grace. Oh, come on. Praise God for his grace in your life. His grace is amazing.
And lastly, church, grace abounds because it never runs out. That's the reason to shout right there. While sin keeps on aiming to hurt, grace never stops healing. While sin is aiming to hold you down, the text says where sin abounds, grace does much more abounds. In other words, grace bounces higher than sin. Grace jumps higher than sin. Grace reaches farther than sin. Grace never runs out. And that's why I got to give God the glory this morning because his grace never runs out. His love is always sufficient. His goodness and kindness is all around me. His grace puts a song in your heart. His grace gives you another chance. His grace will open your eyes. His grace will help you deal with grief. His grace will carry every burden. His grace will help you walk through the storms of life. His grace will be a burden bearer. His grace will be a heart fixer. His grace will be a mind regulator. His grace never runs out. Whatever you need, God's grace has it. Whatever you want, God can help you wait on it. His grace will give you peace. His grace will give you joy. His grace will give you love. His grace will give you strength. His grace will help you pray. His grace will help you wait on the Lord. Is there anybody here that thanks God for his grace? His grace is amazing. His grace will rock you to sleep at night. His grace will help you turn your life around. His grace will answer your prayer. His grace will help you deal with your children. His grace will help you have a wonderful experience on your job. His grace will do for you what no Nobody else can do. I thank God here today for the power of his grace. I love his grace. Every time I hear that word, I got to give God glory. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Blind, but now I see. Is there anybody here who has gone through many dangers, toils, and snares? You've already come. It was grace that has brought you, and it is grace that'll lead you on. Grace will wipe tears from your eyes. I thank God for his grace. I got to give him glory for his grace. Help me praise God, church. I just love him today because of his grace. We are children of God's grace. We are agents of grace. And it is by his grace that we can thank him. Matter of fact, church, there's something that I call future grace. Since grace never runs out, no matter what you face in the future, grace is already there. Since grace never runs out, no matter what you're dealing with now, grace can help it turn it around. That's future grace. That means I'm not worried about tomorrow because the God of grace who's here with me now is going to lead me through tomorrow. Can I have some witnesses here that thank God for grace now? and future grace oh he's worthy to be praised his grace is amazing that's why we ought to tell the lord thank you every time we can because it is by his grace that we are here right now you don't have the strength and the power of your own it is by his grace that he allowed us to be here 
If you look back over your life, shout out your age. Everybody just shout out your age right now. Come on, shout out your age. Shout it out again. Now thank God for that many years of grace in your life. There has not been one year that you kept yourself. There has not been one day where you fed yourself. There has not been one day out of all those years where you woke yourself up. But it was by his grace. That's why we got to give God the glory. Because he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Oh, he's worthy to be praised. Thank God for his grace. How many have ever been in a car accident ever in your life? That's enough. You're still here giving praise for his grace. Oh, we're going to thank him for his grace today. How many had heat in your house last night? Don't you think for a moment that your job helped you to pay the bill? If you had heat in your house last night, you ought to thank God for his grace right now. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. Absolutely worthy. How many have ever gone through surgery ever in your life and you made it through? Help me say, that's grace. Give him praise for grace. You had to go to sleep with some stuff they put in you to make you go to sleep and somebody who you didn't know got a knife and cut on you and you mean to tell me you're still here and you can't praise him for his grace? Hallelujah. Oh, he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. His grace always abounds. I thank God for his grace. And church, I'm so shouting happy that God never checks my record before he decides to give me grace. He says, I ain't checking your record in the first place. I'm checking the record of one who was up on a hill far away. He was on that old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Oh, I love that old cross because when God looks at me, he looks past my fault and he sees that cross. I thank God for his grace oh church he's worthy to be praised I can't help but tell him thank you when I think about his grace it's so amazing so amazing and all this month we're talking about grace and learning more and more about it I'm looking forward to it I hope you are I said I hope you are I said I hope you are I said, I hope you are. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.